Chapter ninety one of Wild Wales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Steve Goff. Wild Wales by George Borrow. Chapter ninety one. And now for the resting place of David Abguilim. After wandering for some miles towards the south, over a bleak, moory country, I came to a place called Fair Ross, a miserable village consisting of a few half-ruined cottages situated on the top of a hill. From the hill I looked down on a wide valley of a russet colour, along which a river ran towards the south. The whole scene was cheerless. Sullen hills were all around. Descending the hill, I entered a large village, divided into two by the river, which here runs from east to west, but presently makes a turn. There was much mire in the street. Immense swine lay in the mire, who turned up their snouts at me as I passed. Women in Welsh hats stood in the mire, along with men without any hats at all, but with short pipes in their mouths. They were talking together. As I passed, however, they held their tongues, the women leering contemptuously at me, the men glaring sullenly at me, and causing tobacco smoke to curl in my face. On my taking off my hat, however, and inquiring the way to the monachlog, everybody was civil enough, and twenty voices told me the way to the monastery. I asked the name of the river. The Tyvi, sir, the Tyvi. The name of the bridge? Pontoride Vendigaid, the bridge of the Blessed Ford, sir. I crossed the bridge of the Blessed Ford, and presently leaving the main road, I turned to the east, by a dunghill, up a narrow lane parallel with the river. After proceeding a mile up the lane, amidst trees and copses, and crossing a little brook, which runs into the Tyvy, out of which I drank, I saw before me, in the midst of a field, in which there were tombstones and broken ruins, a rustic-looking church. A farmhouse stood near it, in the garden of which stood the framework of a large gateway. I crossed over into the churchyard, ascended a green mound, and looked about me. I was now in the very midst of the monachlog Astrid Fleur, the celebrated monastery of the Strata Florida, to which in old times popish pilgrims from all parts of the world repaired. The scene was solemn and impressive. On the north side of the river a large bulky hill looked down upon the ruins and the church, and on the south side, some way behind the farmhouse, was another which did the same. Rugged mountains formed the background of the valley to the east, down from which came murmuring the fleet but shallow Tyvy. Such is the scenery which surrounds what remains of Strata Florida. Those scanty broken ruins compose all which remains of that celebrated monastery in which saints and mitred abbots were buried, and in which, or in whose precincts, was buried David Abguilim, the greatest genius of the Kimbrick race, and one of the first poets of the world. After standing for some time on the mound, I descended, and went up to the church. I found the door fastened, but obtained through a window a tolerable view of the interior, which presented an appearance of the greatest simplicity. I then strolled about the churchyard, looking at the tombstones, which were humble enough, and for the most part modern. I would give something, said I, to know whereabouts in this neighbourhood Abguilim lies. That, however, is a secret that no one can reveal to me. At length I came to a yew-tree, which stood just by the northern wall, which is at a slight distance from the Tyvy. It was one of two trees, both of the same species, which stood in the churchyard, 
and appeared to be the oldest of the two. "'Who knows,' said I, "'but this is the tree that was planted over Ab Gwilym's grave, "'and to which Griffith Grieg wrote an ode?' "'I looked at it attentively, "'and thought that there was just a possibility "'of its being the identical tree. "'If it was, however, "'the benison of Griffith Grieg "'had not had exactly the effect which he intended, "'for either lightning or the force of wind "'had splitten off a considerable part of the head and trunk, "'so that though one part of it looked strong and blooming, "'the other was white and spectral.' Nevertheless, relying on the possibility of its being the sacred tree, I behaved just as I should have done, had I been quite certain of the fact. Taking off my hat, I knelt down and kissed its root, repeating lines from Griffith Greek, with which I blended some of my own, in order to accommodate what I said to present circumstances. O tree of you which here I spy, by Astrid Fleurs, blessed monastery, beneath thee lies by cold death bound, the tongue for sweetness once renowned. Better for thee thy boughs to wave, who scathed above Ab Gwilym's grave, than stand in pristine glory dressed, where some ignobler bard doth rest. I'd rather hear a taunting rhyme from one who'll live through endless time, than hear my praises chanted loud by poets of the vulgar crowd. I had left the churchyard, and was standing near a kind of garden, at some little distance from the farmhouse, gazing about me, and meditating, when a man came up, attended by a large dog. He had rather a youthful look, was of the middle size, and dark-complexioned. He was respectably dressed, except that upon his head he wore a common hairy cap. "'Good evening,' said I to him in Welsh. "'Good evening, gentlemen,' said he in the same language. "'Have you much English?' said I. "'Very little. I can only speak a few words. "'Are you a farmer?' "'Yes. I farm the greater part of the Strath. "'I suppose the land is very good here. "'Why do you suppose so?' "'Because the monks built their house here in the old time, "'and the monks never built their houses except on good land. "'Well, I must say the land is good. "'Indeed, I do not think there is any so good in Shire Abatavi. "'I suppose you are surprised to see me here. "'I came to see the old Monachlog. "'Yes, gentlemen, I saw you looking about it. "'Am I welcome to see it?' "'Groiso, gur bonethig, groiso. "'Many, many welcomes to you, gentlemen. "'Do many people come to see the monastery?' "'Farmer, yes, many gentlefolks come to see it in the summer-time.' "'Myself, it is a poor place now, farmer. "'Very poor. I wonder any gentlefolks come to look at it.' "'Myself, it was a wonderful place once.' You merely see the ruins of it now. It was pulled down at the Reformation. Farmer. Why was it pulled down, then? Myself. Because it was a house of idolatry, to which people used to resort by hundreds to worship images. Had you lived at that time, you would have seen people down on their knees before stocks and stones, worshipping them, kissing them, and repeating penithion to them. Farmer. What fools! How thankful I am that I live in wiser days! If such things are going on in the old monachlog, it was high time to pull it down. Myself. What kind of a rent do you pay for your land? Farmer. Oh, rather a stiffish one. Myself. Two pounds an acre? Farmer. Two pound an acre? I wish I paid no more. Myself. Well, I think that would be quite enough. In the time of the old monastery, you might have had the land at two shillings an acre. Farmer. Might I? Then those couldn't have been bad times, after all. Myself. 
I beg your pardon. They were horrible times, times in which there were monks and friars and graven images, which people kissed and worshipped and sang Penitlian to. Better pay three pounds an acre and live on crusts and water in the present enlightened days than pay two shillings an acre and sit down to beef and ale three times a day in the old superstitious times. Farmer. Well, I scarcely know what to say to that. Myself. What do you call that high hill on the other side of the river? Farmer. I call that hill Bunkpen Banith. Myself. Is the source of the Tyvee far from here? Farmer. The head of the Tyvee is about two miles from here, high up in the hills. Myself. What kind of place is the head of the Tyvee? Farmer. The head of the Tyvee is a small lake, about fifty yards long and twenty across. Myself. Where does the Tyvee run to? Farmer. The Tyvee runs to the sea, which it enters at a place which the Cymry call Abertyvee, and the Saxons Cardigan. Myself. Don't you call Cardiganshire Shire Abertyvee? Farmer. We do. Myself. Are there many glyciate in the Tyvee? Farmer. Plenty, and salmons too. That is, further down. The best place for salmon and glyciate is a place a great way down the stream called Dinas Emlyn. Myself. Do you know an animal called Hloslidan? Farmer. No, I do not know that beast. Myself. There used to be many in the Tyvee. Farmer. What kind of beast is the Hloslidan? Myself. A beast with a broad tail, on which account the old Cymru did call him Hloslidan. Clever beast he was, made himself house of wood in the middle of the river, with two doors, so that when Hunter came upon him he might have good chance of escape. Hunter often after him, because he had skin good to make hat. Farmer. Ha! I wish I could catch that beast now in Tyvee. Myself. Why so? Farmer. Because I want hat. I would make myself hat of his skin. Myself. Oh, you could not make yourself a hat, even if you had the skin. Farmer. Why not? Shot Coney in Bunk Pen Banith. Made myself cap of his skin. So why not make hat of skin of Broadtail? Should I catch him in Tyvee? Myself. How far is it to Tregaron? Farmer. Tis ten miles from here, and eight from the Reed Vendigide. Myself. Must I go back to the Reed Vendigide to get to Tregaron? Farmer. You must. Myself. Then I must be going, for the night is coming down. Farewell. Farmer. Farewell, Saxon gentleman. End of chapter 91